Okay. Apparently we got two cameras now. Isn't that something? Um, we're in Genesis. Been working our way through the book of Genesis for quite a few weeks, and I think we got all the way to chapter four, did we? All the way to chapter four. We've talked about the creation of the world in chapter one, how it came into be. We have used several examples of how evolution is anti-Bible, and we've shown the some of the things in evolution, particularly intelligent design, as God creates intelligently, and we can see that in creation. We talked about several things. It's going to come up again as we go through our next passage. But uh, <clears throat> we had instruction last week in chapter 2 about how man is to view himself. He's not to think of himself saying, I'm in the image of God, I'm fantastic, uh, when, a, when the Bible says he's made out of dirt. All right? <laughs> and so he, he has to get a concept of where he is and his own weakness, and he kind of missed the point. All right. And so we saw last week as Eve takes the fruit, gives it to Adam, Adam partakes of it, and they're plunged into a cursed world, and they struggle through that. And now we get to chapter 4. All right, so the only sin recorded so far is somebody ate a piece of fruit. Say, well, that's not too bad, right? Well, let's see what happens as we get going and dive in full. Now, what we saw last week in chapter 3, verse 15, I will put enmity between thee and the woman, between thy seed and her seed, it shall bruise thy head, thou shalt bruise his heel. So yeah, God says to, to uh, Eve, you, through woman, is going to come a seed, uh, a seed. A son, and that person will crush the serpent's head. And so we get chapter four. And Adam knew Eve, his wife. She conceived, bare Cain said, "I gotten a man from the Lord." She said, there, we took care of the problem. <laughs> Here he is. I got the man we needed. And he's going to crush the serpent's head. And so when Cain is born, she says, there, "There we go. That's the one I was waiting for." God said, and here it is, it's Cain. And uh, now I've got that special seed from the Lord, and that's going to take care of all our problems. <laughs> Not quite. Okay, here we go as we get going. Verse 2, she again bare his brother Abel, and Abel was a keeper of sheep. Cain was a tiller of the ground. In the process of time it came to pass, Cain brought of the fruit of the ground an offering unto the Lord. And Abel he also brought of the firstlings of his flock and the fat thereof. The Lord had respect to Abel and his offering, but unto Cain and his offering he had not respect. Cain was very wroth and his countenance fell. And so we have uh, shown sacrifice here. And we believe that Adam had instructed his son. He said, you're going to need to make a sacrifice when you come to God. And we want you to uh, bring something to sacrifice to God. Uh, Cain is a farmer, so he brings fruits and vegetables. Here's what I got. Abel brings uh, a sheep, a young lamb. They're going to sacrifice the lamb. And you say, well, that's what... Uh, that's what they got, right? That they brought what they got. Well, it doesn't quite work that way. Um, thank you. Um, and God looks down. He says, Cain, I don't like what you brought. You didn't bring the right thing. So how would they know what to bring? Well, if you look back in chapter 3, in verse number 21, and this is a very important verse. Chapter 3, verse 21. Unto Adam also and to his wife did the Lord God make coats of skins and clothe them. So after Adam and Eve sinned, it says all of a sudden they knew they were naked. And God says, how would you know? Well, <laughs> we did what we weren't supposed to do. And so it tells us here that God made the first clothes. 
Right. He, he killed... He killed an animal, makes the first sacrifice, and he makes clothes. So what does it do? It covers sin. So they're sinful. All right. They're sinful. They realize it. And so God is going to sacrifice the first animal to make clothes. And God gives them clothes to wear. I bet you... I bet you that was a nice suit of clothes, huh? <laughs> God made these clothes. Whoa, I'll take those. Yeah, uh, that was quite a suit of clothes. But the purpose was, you know you are wrong. Now we're going to cover sin, and I'm going to have to kill an animal to make clothes to cover sin. And so uh, it became, ever since then, since that first time when God sacrificed an animal, there would be sacrificing animals for thousands of years. Why? To cover sin. So when you're in the Old Testament, you take a lamb and you bring it in to, the, to uh, be sacrificed. You put your head, hands on the lamb's head and you say, I'm sorry, I did this, I did that, I shouldn't have. Will you forgive me, God? And then you take a knife you do it, not the priest, you do it, and you slit the lamb's throat. The priest's got a bowl, he catches the blood, and the blood goes on the altar, all right? And so it would require a blood sacrifice, which ultimately leads to Jesus Christ, a blood sacrifice. He dies on the cross. So it starts right in the beginning of Genesis. And now here's the first time, he says, in the passing of time, or there was a day set up for them to make a sacrifice. And Cain uh, brings his vegetables. Of course, there's no blood in it. And I say that because we've learned that over the years. But I think if the ultimate reason why Cain's sacrifice uh, was rejected is not because the lack of blood, although that's certainly a major part, but because his own miserable heart. He didn't come there to get right with God. He came there and said, all right, I'm here. Here's my stuff. I brought it. And God said, I don't want it that. God doesn't want you coming and saying, oh, I don't really care about this. You know, I'm just doing what I'm supposed to. That's not what God wants. That's what Cain did. And God said, no, that's the wrong attitude. It's the wrong sacrifice. Yes, but it's the bad attitude because he got very angry. Verse 6, the Lord said to Cain, why are you wroth and why is your countenance fallen? What's the matter with you? How come you're angry? Why are you angry? What's wrong with you? And now here's a very important thing. Thou dost well, shalt thou not be accepted? Thou dost not well. Sin lieth at the door. Unto thee shall be his desire, and thou shalt rule over him. All right. Cain, you've got a choice. You can fix this. You can go get a lamb. Come back. <coughs> And fix it. Let's make it right. And the point is, you can say in your heart, you know what? I really am sorry. I'm sorry. I want to ask God to forgive me. I'm sorry. He says, you can fix it. Now, here's your problem, he says. Uh, Sin lies at the door. All right? So, and I tell people this quite often. Life is very much opening the door and going through it. When we come through life, what do we do next? Well, you open the door and go through it. Sometimes the door gets slammed in your face, and I guess I'm not supposed to go through that door. Or sometimes the door is very clear, and we go through it. And he says to, to Cain, look, you open the door, where you're going, and the other side of that door is sin. It's going to devour you. Don't open a door. Don't open a door and say, yeah, I'm going through that door. No, 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 Cain. Don't open a door. You can switch it around, and you can rule over it. Or sin is, and that's a very good passage. Here's sin, all right? It can devour you if you make a bad choice. 
it'll eat you alive. But he says, if you make a good choice, then you tell it, hey, it's Graham. I'm not doing what you say. I'm not going to take your orders. And so uh, sin has that capability where we can get a hold of it and say, yeah, no, 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 no. You're not going to tempt me. You're not going to ask me, call me in this direction. I can't hear you. I'm not listening. I won't do what you say. And so God, that's a wonderful thing. He says to Cain, he says, look, we can face this. I don't know how many times in a communion service I've urged people, fix it. Fix it. Tell God. Fix it. Don't sit there and think, well, I don't know if I can fix this or not. You can fix it. He can fix it. Talk to him. Tell him. All right? And, and so he says to Cain, look, it, you got a choice. You can fix what's wrong, change your bad attitude, get a blood sacrifice, and come back, and we'll, you'll be just accepted as much as Abel is. But no, he doesn't want to. And so let's see what happens. Verse 8. Cain talked with Abel, his brother, and came to pass when they were in the field. Cain rose up against Abel, his brother, and slew him. So here we go. First sin is we eat a piece of fruit. Second sin, kill your brother. Didn't take long for sin to really get a hold and take off. And so sin is a powerful thing once it gets a hold of you. And now he's killed his brother Abel. And God steps in, verse 9. Lord said unto Cain, where is thy brother Abel? He said, I know not, am I my brother's keeper? For the centuries, ever since he said that, the question is to you and I, are you your brother's keeper? The answer is yes. Yes, you are. You're responsible in anything that you can do to help a brother, help a sister, to be near people, to do what we can. And Cain said, I'm not responsible for him. Oh, yes, you are. Verse 10, he said, Hast thou, what hast thou done? The voice of thy brother's blood crieth to me from the ground. And so we ended up... Right away, the world hardly got started, and now the voice of blood is calling for vengeance. Vengeance. Sin has taken my life, we want vengeance, and that curse will go down through all the years. And finally, finally, the Bible teaches us that another blood hit the ground. All right? And that blood, it says, didn't talk like Abel's blood. Abel's blood said, I, vengeance, I was murdered. The blood of Jesus, when that hit the ground, and what did it say? It said, mercy, 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 give mercy. Mercy there was great, grace was free. And so the two speaking voices in the world, the voice of blood, which first cried for vengeance, when Jesus came, it cried for mercy. It's a wonderful thing, all right? It goes all the way and touches the theme of the whole Bible. Now, verse 11. Now thou art cursed from the earth, which has opened her mouth to receive your brother's blood from thy hand. When thou tillest the ground, it shall not henceforth yield to her of its strength. Which is what God told Adam, the same thing. You're going to have to struggle to survive. It's going to be much harder to grow things in this world because there's a curse on it. A fugitive and a vagabond shalt thou be in the earth. And so he says to Cain, you can make a choice. You can turn around. Or you can go be a vagabond, a fugitive, running for your life because you murdered your brother. And... Look what he says, verse 13. Cain said to the Lord, my punishment is greater than I can bear. Well, would you rather be able? <laughs> you want to be like your brother? Be dead. All right? You murdered your brother. 
and you're going to pay a price, and the price you're going to pay is you're going to be a fugitive. Verse 14, Thou hast, Behold, thou hast driven me out this day of the face of the earth. From thy face shall I be hid. I will be a fugitive and a vagabond in the earth. It's come to pass that everyone that findeth me shall slay me. He said, everybody's going to be mad at me because I killed Abel. And Abel was a nice guy. Everybody liked Abel. <laughs> All right? And certainly Adam and Eve loved Abel. Loved Abel for who he was and what he had done. All right? He was an honest and a good man. And so he said, uh, yeah, people are going to be looking for you. You will be a fugitive. 15, the Lord said unto him, therefore, whosoever slayeth Cain, vengeance shall be taken on him sevenfold. And the Lord set a mark upon Cain, lest any finding him should kill him. So he says, what you've created in this world, and remember what I said, when sin came into the world, chaos came with it. Stress came with it. It brought those things into the world. All right, and so now Cain says, look, I killed my brother, and somebody's going to be after me. And God said, I'll put a mark on you. And when they see the mark, whatever it is, uh, they'll say, well, that's Cain. And God said, don't kill him. So as much as we'd like to, we won't, because God said not to kill him. You say, well, why didn't he let somebody kill him? Because when does it stop? When does it stop? God said, that's not how we're going to live our lives. We're going to stop the rebellion. We're going to stop the violence. You don't have to choose to open that door and let sin come in. It's your choice. You don't have to do it. So verse 16, and here's the killer. Cain went out from the presence of the Lord. He said, you know what? I don't need God. I'm leaving. I'm going away from his presence. Now, can you get away from God? Well, yes and no. You can ignore God. You can shove your fist in your ears and pretend God's not around and do whatever you feel like. Go ahead. People do it all the time. You can do that. You can ignore God. And that's what he said. I'm going out from the presence of God. And we say, well, you can't get away from God. And that's true. You can't. All right, you can't get away from God, but you can decide, huh, I'm out. I'm not going to do it. And that's what Cain did. He said he went out from the presence of the Lord. God said you'll be a vagabond in the earth, wandering around because of what you've done. But he said, I'm going to get out of here completely and get rid of it. And so he heads out the road. Now, we get now a family tree from Cain. And we're going to read quickly down through it because it's quite a record here. It's two things that we want to mention. Here we go. Verse 17. Cain knew his wife and she conceived and bare Enoch. And he builded a city called the name of the city after his son Enoch. And so I want you to see that Cain has gone away from God. We're going to do what we want. And one of the things we're going to do is build a city. Okay? Let's go on. And unto Enoch was born Erod, and Erod begot Mahujael, and Mahujael begot Methusael, and Methusael begot Lamech. That's a mouthful, right? And Lamech took unto him two wives. Ah. So now, God said, one wife. You have one wife. Yeah, I'm taking two. <laughs> I want two. So he takes two. All right. And uh, he's in defiance. And the name of one was Ada. The name of the other was Zillah. And Ada bore Jabal. He was a father of such as dwell in tents, such as have cats. And so they're going to raise uh, animals for a living. They're going to tend to flocks and raise animals for a living. That starts right away. 21. His brother's name was Jubal. He was the father of all such as handle the harp and the organ, or actually the harp and the pipe. Musical instruments. And so there are people right away who are playing music, creating instruments, playing music. All right. Verse 22. And Tilla, she also bore Tubalcane and Instructor of every artificer in brass and iron. 
And the sister of Tubal Cain was Naham. Right, and so now they're making brass, and making iron, and they're doing those kind of things that they do, which helps advance civilization considerably. Let's go back to evolution just for a minute. All right, what do they say? Well, after a man got to be the smartest monkey on earth, he went into caves and he crawled around in the caves and lived in the caves. He didn't know what to do. And he scratched a picture of a zebra in the cave and there's the first man. He can barely think right and he's scratching a painting on the wall because he got no, 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 no. Second generation, they're building cities. Second generation, they're building cities. Next generation, they're raising animals, domesticating flocks, raising them. They're playing music, and they're already into making brass and iron. Right away, all right, they're into heating up metals, creating iron and brass. And so the concept which evolution produces is says these poor monkeys finally got smart enough to be almost human, and they're scratching their heads, wondering what to do living in a cave. They finally got smart enough to come out of the cave and, and, you know, live under a tree. I don't know what it is. But they, they're cavemen. He said, we have these cavemen that are, nah, never was that way. That's, that's totally incorrect. And the Bible says here, these people are playing musical instruments, all right? They're taking wood and drilling holes in it and making pipes. And they're stretching string over an instrument and strumming it and playing it. They're making music. Mm. And this is the, the second and third generation uh, from Adam, all right? And so when they tell you that poor humans barely scraped their way out of the mud and dust and were swinging through the trees and finally, you know, decided maybe I could live under a, a, a little lean-to, <laughs> they built cities, all right? So the whole concept of uh, the slow development of the human race is blown to pieces here in the Bible. It's just not, and we see it right here. Now, here's where it gets nasty. Verse 23, Lamech said to his wives, Ada and Zillah, Hear my voice, ye wives of Lamech. He's quite a fella. Hearken unto my speech, for I have slain a man to my wounding and a young man to my hurt. He said, somebody wounded me and I killed him. And somebody hurt me a little, and I killed them too. I killed two of them, a young man and an older man. And verse 24, if Cain shall be avenged sevenfold, truly Lamech, seventy and sevenfold. And God said, I'm going to put a mark on Cain, and if somebody kills him, they're going to pay. There's going to be vengeance on him sevenfold. And old Lamech, he said, I killed two of them. <laughs> and if anybody thinks they're going to mess with me, he says, there'll be 77 times the vengeance that comes on him. All right, this is sin really getting a hold. It's really got a hold. So murder is nothing now. They're proud of it. He's proud of it. He says, ah, some guy scratched me and I killed him. <laughs> All right, so sin really gets a hold of people and grabs them and, and squeezes the life energy out of them. Right? And so this is Cain's line. We're looking at Cain's offspring. When they said sin lies at the door, God really meant it. And he went ahead and opened that door. And now uh, three or four generations down, this guy's a murderer. He'd kill anybody. He loves to kill people. Proud that he killed people. Proud that he took two wives instead of one. And uh, so we see a full rebellion now in the line of Cain. Are they smart? They're smart. No question about that. All right. But what's developing more than music and more than brass and iron uh, work is uh, sin. Sin's really got a hold of it. And we're going to see it go plunging into the human race. All right, but let's stop for a minute. Let's stop for a minute. Let's go back 
and verse 25, Adam knew his wife again. She bare a son, called his name Seth. For God said, she hath appointed to me another seed instead of Abel, whom Cain slew. So now she says, I got, uh, I finally got the right one. She says, I had this Cain, I thought he was it, but he turned to be nasty and killed my good son. Ah, I got Seth. He's going to be all right. Verse 26, and to Seth, to him also there was born a son, called his name Enos. Then began men to call upon the name of the Lord. All right, so now we have a line set up from Adam. There's a line of people, and that line is going to be holy men, men who believe in God. Men who will stand up and do what's right. And Adam, I'm sure, was the developer of that because he's teaching them what? Here's what we did. Here's what happened to us. We got thrown out of the Garden of Eden. We got locked out uh, because we disobeyed God. And God was so good to us, he gave us everything we ever needed. And now here we are in a struggle for our lives. We're fighting to get through Birth, childbirth has become a pain. There's a lot of difficulties in life, and it's because of what we did. And so we need to call on God. We need to ask God for help. And so one of his sons, Seth, is going to begin, he says, to call on God. And so in this violent world that Cain has created, where murder is commonplace. They love to do it, and they're violent. But now another line is coming into being, which is Seth, and these men are going to believe in God and call on God. Right? Now we come to chapter 5. And this absolutely fascinates me. I'm fascinated with this chapter. You say, well, when I read it, it was the most boring chapter in Genesis. <laughs> yeah, well, I want to tell you something about the Bible. Because people think, you know, there's a lot of the Bible that really doesn't matter. And we get back here in Genesis and they're talking about the world being created. And I can't relate to that. And uh, I don't know what to think about it. And we're trying to help us to relate to creation, to make sense of it, to see God in it. Now we come to this chapter, and to people who think that the Bible is sort of a hazy history, sort of a, you know, generally touching on things, giving us an idea, this one nails that coffin shut. This one says, get your act together and see if you can figure this out. Because this is amazing. All right? So we have introduced into now, beginning in chapter 5, a line of people who believe in God, who trust in God. All right? First time, all right? They're all around them. There's violence filling the world, murder. We see these people. But now we come to chapter 5. And I don't think I'll read all of it because I've done a little work ahead of time on the board. But I'll give you the idea and we'll stop and think about it. <clears throat> chapter 5, verse 1. This is the book of the generations of Adam or the passing of the family of Adam. In that day God created man in the likeness of God made he him. Male and female created he them. He blessed them. Called their name Adam in the day when they were created. Right? So we know what day that was, right? Day 6 of creation. God put Adam in the garden and then he added Eve. All right. And so we get verse 3. Adam lived 130 years, begot a son in his own likeness after his image, called his name Seth. And the days of Adam after he had begotten Seth were 800 years, and he begot sons and daughters. And all the days that Adam lived were 930 years, and he died. Right, so we got the first day of human history. Adam is there. 
and he's going to live uh, 100, I mean, 130 years later. He has a son named Seth. All right. Seth is now this new line that believes in God, and he says he's going to live to be 930 years old. All right, so Seth had born 130 years. All right, they had lots of children. If you live 900 years, you got to have a lot of kids. I'll tell you what, they had lots of them. They filled the earth with children. All right, and they were everywhere. Okay, but it gives us the record that Seth was born when Adam was 130 years old, and Adam would live to be 900. And 30 years old. And we go on, all right? Uh, verse 6 Seth lived 105 years and begot Enos. Seth lived after he got Enos 807 years, begot sons and daughters, and all the days of Seth were 912 years, and he died. And so Seth, the first line of Adam that's going to do well, has a son Enos when he's 105 years old. He lives to be 912. Right, so, uh, then we're going to go on. We'll go on one more and then we'll uh, skip a little. Verse 9. Enos lived 90 years and begot Cainan. And Enos lived after he begot Cainan 815 years, begot sons and daughters. All the days of Enos were 905 years and he died. And so, so we have. Adam, on 130, has Seth. Seth, at 105, has Enos. That's his son. Enos, at 90, has Cainan. And then Cainan, at 70 years old, has Mahalaleel. Do you like that name, huh? People were talking to me about Bible names the other day. I thought, I bet you nobody wants to call their kid Mahalaleel or whatever it is, okay? And so we go down the line. Uh, and it's 130 years and then 105. And this is how old they were when their children was born. Over on this side is how old they were when they died. Now, that's going to become very interesting for a couple of reasons that are kind of fascinating, okay? <clears throat> what we have is uh, a line very precisely and carefully traced down through time. And so that we find out how long these people live, all right? And we can take from that and say, all right, we can say Seth lived 912 years, and 130 years before that was the beginning of time. Okay? So 912 plus 130 would be the year that he died. All right? And so he dies uh, down... We can add those together. And when we add all these together, all this column, we're, we're actually counting years down through it. 130 years to Seth, 105 to Enos, and so on and so forth. And uh, we get a total. When you add that total up, it's 1,056. 1,056 years. So if you add that column, it comes to 1,056. And what happened in the year 1,056? That's the year that Noah was born. All right. Now Noah, everybody knows about Noah, right? Noah built an ark, all right? And he saved uh, creation and saved the human race and everything. Right. But we go down... And so from the beginning of time to the birth of Noah is 1,056, and that actually would be the year 
So he's born in the year from the beginning of time, 1056. All right, now, there's an interesting one in the line that we want to take a look at. And it's on, down to verse uh, 18, chapter 5, verse 18. Jared lived 162 years, and he begot Enoch. All right, so there's uh, Jared's born. He lives 162 years, and he has a son named Enoch. All right. 19. And Jared lived after he begot Enoch 800 years, begot sons and daughters. All the days of Jared were 962 years, and he died. Enoch lived 65 years and begot Methuselah. Now there's two names here. Enoch, that name is important. All right, let's think about him for a minute as Enoch. And when we see Enoch has a son named Methuselah. But something happens. Verse 23. All the days of Enoch were 365 years. Enoch walked with God and he was not for God took him. So suddenly in this line of people who call on the name of the Lord, who believe in God, we come to this man named Enoch. And it says he walked with God. He lived with God. He had God on his mind. He talked with God continually. He did exactly what God wanted him to do. And God says, you know what? I'm taking you now. I'm taking you right to heaven. And then all of a sudden, one day they got, where did he go? He's gone. What do you mean he's gone? Well, God took him. He's gone. How do you get up there? God just said, I don't know. I'm taking him right now. I like him. He's coming with me. All right. So he lived 365 years. Okay. He lived three. Now look at these other lifespans. 930 is Adam. 912, 905. Jared, 962. And then we get to Methuselah who was the oldest man that ever lived 969 years. But Enoch is only 365 years old. He's a kid. <laughs> He's just a kid at 365. And God said, I'm taking him. And he took him up. And so now we're going to think a little bit how this works. The first man to die 930 years from the beginning, that sixth day of creation when they were created, is Adam. So Adam dies first. All right? Adam is still around uh, when Jared is alive, he's still here. He's 930 years, and you add up the column, you'll come down in here, and Adam was down in there. All right? And so uh, Adam was the first man, other than the murdered people, right? Who Cain, who got murdered, and, and whoever Lamech murdered. All right, the first man in this righteous line to die is Adam. And you can imagine, because they knew it. Wasn't like they said, well, who's Adam? He goes way back. No, he's still alive. He's alive 930 years on the earth. And he comes way down, I think it's actually sometime in here, when he dies. All right? And so he dies the year 930 from the beginning. All right? That's an interesting fact that the first man to die, and I'm sure it must have had a profound effect, because what had he been? Well, he'd been kind of the high priest. Who's going to teach us about God? Adam. Who taught them to sacrifice? Adam. How did Enoch know to walk with God? Adam had been there teaching and explaining. And now the great leader of the family is dead. Right. So that's a pretty serious impact on this group of people. The next one to die is Enoch. 
Enoch dies pretty early. He dies uh, in, the, in the year, uh, let's see, where am I here? He dies in the year 987. Right, 987. And so Adam dies in 930. And about 50 years later or so, Enoch is the second man in this group to die. And so God's got a little message for you. See? These fellas figured it out. And they knew what they should do. Adam had taught them to sacrifice. And now they had this living example of this man, Enoch. And he's an honest, wonderful fella. And God says, he's so good, I'm taking him right to heaven. He's the second man. He doesn't die, he just disappears. But before Seth dies, all right, or any of the ones in his line, Enoch disappears. So we got a pretty serious lesson from God, all right? Adam is now dead. I sin got him in the end and he died. But then there's this guy. <laughs> he didn't die. How can he not die? He's the second man in the line. He disappeared. He just went out. Maybe that God is okay. Maybe God is good. Maybe God intended to help the race. Maybe God didn't say, these miserable people, let's get out. No, that's not what God intended. And so they're learning a lesson, right? You get your life together. Straighten out what needs to be fixed. Serve the Lord. Walk with God. Stick close to him. Read your Bible. Say your prayers. Do those things. And God is very inclined to help you. Right? He's very inclined to help you. And Enoch, the second one to disappear in this line... Uh, is, is gone and dead. Now, here's where I think it's fascinating. Uh, and we can go down through, and if you add these numbers together, and with, so he's born here and he lived 905 years, so he's 905, 910, uh, 9,140 years. That's the year he died. That's how you figure it out. So you use these numbers, which is uh, when they were born, okay? And then you add their lifetime to it. That gives you the year that it comes. And so Noah, we said, he was born in the year 1056. Noah is born. All right? Now, let's back up one to Lamech. Lamech is his father. Alright. And when did he die? When did he die? Well, uh, we can add them together. Uh, he lived 777 years. Alright. That's how long he lived. Alright. He was <coughs> Uh, Noah was born when he was 182, all right? And so uh, there's 595 95 years after the birth of his son Noah that he dies. And so we add 1056 plus 595. Sixteen fifty-one. All right. So, well, yeah, from the beginning of time. So, in the six hundred and fifty-one year, he died. All right. That's the year from the start when he died. All right. Now, here's the fascinating one: Methuselah, the oldest man to ever live. 
And he, if we go back, all right, and so he's 187 when Lamech, his son, is born, okay? And his son lives that long, so his son dies in 1651, all right? Now, uh, Methuselah is born in the year 687, and he's 969 years old. All right, so it comes to six, five, Okay. The year 1656, Methuselah died. He was the oldest man. Now, why is that fascinating? Here's why it's absolutely fascinating. Noah is born in the year 1056. All right. Now, let's see what it says about Noah here. Chapter 5, verse 32. And Noah was 500 years old, and Noah begot Shem, Ham, and Japheth. So Noah has children 500 years when he's 500 years old. Okay? So... There's one more thing that we got to add in, chapter 7, verse 11. Of course, we're talking about the flood is coming. All right. Verse 11, in the 600th year of Noah's life, in the second month, the 17th day of the month, same day where all the fountains of the great deep open and the windows of heaven were open, and we had the flood. So, at 600 years old, which is a hundred years more, the flood happens. All right? And so we have 6, 5, 16. So the year 1656, after the beginning of time, is the year the flood comes. Right? Noah's father dies five years before the flood hits. But Methuselah, the oldest man who ever lived, died the same year that the flood came. Now, we don't know how he died, but we think he lived a long time, and he was the last of this line of good men other than Noah. All right, and so he dies just before the flood hits. All right, and so we have precisely, by looking at the numbers and adding them up, we get exactly the year that the flood happened. All right, from creation on the sixth day, Adam begins, lives 930 years, and down through this line of godly men, and they get a couple of important lessons. Adam dies first, Enoch disappears second, and they have a higher opinion of God all the time. Methuselah lives right up to the flood and then dies. We don't know that he died in the flood. I don't think he did. I think he died the year that the flood hit. And then the flood hits when Noah is 600 years old. So what does it mean? What's it all mean? What's the purpose of telling it? We have the precise and exact time of Adam beginning, Adam dying, Enoch who walks with God and becomes an example for the entire rest of the family. Even Seth, the second man, lives longer than Enoch. All right. So Seth, the second man, realizes what happened to our great, 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 great grandson Enoch. God took him up to heaven. And then old Noah, he's thinking about it. Thinking about it. What's Noah thinking? Well, 
Boy, this God thing has been real strong in my family. And I believe in him too. And so when he's 500 years old, God says, okay, Noah, build an ark. <laughs> What's an ark? Ah, it's a big uh, box. Anybody ever been to the ark down in wherever it is, Tennessee or wherever it is? Uh, they have made it to have fancy lines. I don't know that that was true. If you read some of their materials, they could have been just a big old box, which you know, we don't know exactly what the ark was like. But we do know the dimensions of the thing. And I, in my head, know the dimensions of the ark. And when I walked in that ark down there, I said, I just never dreamed it was this big. It's awesome. It's huge. You get inside there and you're looking around. Say, can you imagine something this big? So he had 100 years to build it. He's 500 years old. He has three sons. And God said, now let's get busy. We're going to build an ark. He said, well, why? Well, it's going to rain. What's that? Never rained before. And there rain. The Bible says it didn't rain. It was just uh, uh, dew. And every day the sun heated the ground and the moisture came into the air. And then as the sun went away, it came down as dew. And that's the way the earth was run up till that point. And so he says, it's going to be, it's going to rain. What's rain? <laughs> well, we're going to make it rain so much it's going to flood. What's a flood? He didn't know anything. He didn't know anything. And God said, just build that thing. Okay, I'll do it. You don't have to know everything to serve God. You just got to do what he tells you to do. And that's what he did. He just started in, build that thing. And we, if you get a chance, I recommend it. I mean, it's not the end of the world if you don't. But if you do get a chance to ever go see that thing, uh, the idea of it. And they have to guess. They can't help. They got to guess and different things that they do. But the, the ark is full of food and it's full of water and it's full of all kinds of stuff. And the thing is massive. It's huge. And old Noah's there building and everybody thinks the guy's crazier than a bed bug. Go look at him. He's building this thing. What's he doing it for? He says it's going to rain. What's that? Never heard of it. He's crazy. He's nuts. He's out of his mind. He's building this great big thing down there, and he says God told him to. <laughs> there you go. And all the sons of Cain are going, yeah, right. Sure, sure. And so Noah builds an ark, and the year that the flood hits is 1,656 years after. Now, Let's take a look. Chapter 7. Well, let's look at chapter 6. Chapter 6. Came to pass when men began to multiply in the face of the earth, the daughters were born unto them. The sons of God saw that the daughters of men were fair, and they took them wives of all they chose. And the Lord said, My spirit will not always strive with man, for that he also is flesh, and his days shall be 120 years. And so it says that the sons of God saw the daughters of men. Now, there are people who believe that angels came down and married humans. All right? I don't think that's true. I don't think that's what it says. We're just talking about a family what, who believed in God and passed it down through these years, through Enoch's testimony of being translated to Methuselah's long life, and now Noah, who trusts and believes, does whatever God tells him to. And uh, I think it's just a matter who's the daughters out there they're marrying? The sons of Cain. Daughters of Cain. Lots of beautiful women, I'm sure. And so they started to intermarry outside of this line. 
right, they intermarry outside of that line and they begin to uh, be anti-God. Verse 4, there were giants in the earth in those days. Also after that, when the sons of God came into the daughters of men, they bare children to men who were of old men of renown. All right, and so these mighty people who were very intelligent, they weren't dummies, all right, and they uh, were anti-God. Verse 5, God saw that the wickedness of man was great in the earth, that every imagination of the thoughts of his heart was only evil continually. That's where it got to. So that at the point, as Lot said, every one of these people had lots of sons and daughters, all right, and they started to intermarry and move across the lines get away from this line of the sons of God. And people say that angels came down. I don't think that that's quite how it worked. I could be wrong. I've been wrong before, okay? Uh, but there are people who say angels came down. But the problem is, is that God said that angels aren't given in marriage. All right? So Jesus said that. The angels aren't given in marriage. That is, God didn't equip them to be married. And I think that Jesus' weight has a lot more weight than somebody who interprets it this. All right? When Jesus says angels weren't given in marriage, they weren't created to be married. Marriage was a human thing. All right? And I think that kind of does away. Remember I talked about the eighth day creation? Last Was it last week? Eighth day creation, the error of that. Well, they, they're the ones who pursue that these giants in the earth were half angel, half man. Right? Uh, I don't think so. I don't think that's what it was. I think it was just humans who, look, if you can live 900 years, you're a pretty tough hombre. Right? Yeah. You live 900, you know, you see somebody who's 100 now, you don't expect them to be doing jumping jacks, right? These guys are raising children for seven or 800 years. And they were pretty fantastic specimens of humans. All right, pretty fantastic specimens. Look at the age span. This guy almost lived 1,000 years. That's a long time. <laughs> All right, but these people uh, had within them violence until God said, every time I look down there, every thought is evil continually. Now, what Jesus said, as it was in the days of Noah, so shall it be when the Son of Man returns to earth. And what was it in the days of Noah? They thought evil all the time all the time. Everything they thought of was evil. We're getting a pretty good glimpse of that in our society today. They think about everything they think about. is rebellion against God. It's evil. They can come up with some things that you, when you hear them, you can't even believe it. What? You know, don't charge anybody with crimes. You can do whatever you want, take whatever you want, steal whatever you want. We're just going to do whatever. Feel, do whatever you feel like. Yeah. And that's when God looked down on the earth and said, hmm, look at that. And then we'll get next week into the flood where God says, well, we're going to take care of this problem. Noah, you're going to help. All right. So we'll go on with the flood next week. But I think it's a pretty fascinating bit of information. You say, well, the Bible's just a vague history. It is not. It gives the exact day. The exact day that the flood came. The exact year that uh, Methuselah died just at the flood. It couldn't be off. Actually, when I was adding all these columns, I made a mistake. And I said, oh, that's not right. So I fixed my math, and it was right. <laughs> it's exactly Methuselah died the year the flood came. All right? And, of course, he would have to die. Why? Because everything on earth is going to die. All right? So 
Uh, it's a fascinating chapter, and when you read it, you think, what does it all mean? Well, it's got a pretty important meaning as God keeps track of human families. So remember, he's watching your family. He's watching your family. He wants to keep track. It'd be nice to be like that family, huh? Mm -hmm. That'd be nice. Thank you. Thank you.